Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why using your phone during a break is a bad idea, why we roll our eyes, and how you can measure your materialism to see where you stand in consumer culture. Let's consume some curiosity. When you go to the restroom or take a 10-minute break from doing hard mental work, do you pull out your phone and start swiping and scrolling like I do? Well, new research says that using your phone on a break is a bad idea because doing that doesn't let your brain recharge effectively, and that could lead to poorer performance. As reported by Futurity, researchers from Rutgers University Business School designed a pretty simple experiment to come to this conclusion. They assigned 414 college undergraduates challenging sets of word puzzles. Halfway through, some were allowed to take breaks using their cell phones, others took breaks using paper or a computer, and others didn't take a break at all. And you guessed it, the participants who took a break on their cell phone were among the least capable of solving the puzzles afterwards. They took 19% longer to do the rest of the task, and they solved 22% fewer problems than their participants in the other break conditions combined. The study's co-author, Terry Kurtzberg, said it's important for us to understand the costs that go along with reaching for your phone between tasks, or even in the middle of a task, which certainly seems to be happening more often these days. How many times has my phone gone off while I'm writing a script for this show or actually when you're writing an article for Curiosity.com? Yeah, it's almost like there's a little voice in my head that says, check your phone, check your phone, and then I do it. Yeah, not good. Kurtzberg said that your phone may carry an increasing level of distraction that makes it hard to bring your attention back to what you were working on before. And as for why that is, she suggested that, quote, Cell phones may have this effect because even just seeing your phone activates thoughts of checking messages, connecting with people, access to ever-refilling information, and more in ways that are different than how we use other screens like computers and laptops, unquote. So the next time you really want to get something done, and done well, turn off your phone. I promise your latest Tinder match will still be there when you're done. Or if you're me, they'll ignore you for the rest of time. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm married. If your reaction to an eye roll is to think about teens everywhere, then you'll be pleased to know that your reaction is supported by science. Research confirms that we generally roll our eyes out of disapproval or contempt, and that this action is most common among teens and particularly teen girls. But it hasn't always been this way the eye roll has conveyed different emotions over the course of human history. According to Slate's Forrest Wickman, at the turn of the 17th century, it was not annoyance, but lust that made you roll your eyes. And even as late as 1950, country singer Hank Penny sung about a woman who would, quote, roll those big brown eyes, unquote, to tempt an ex-lover. People also rolled their eyes in fear or anger. In 1857, Charles Dickens wrote about a dying woman who, quote, rolled her eyes fearfully, unquote. The expression's modern meaning started to take hold around the 1900s, when the third book ever in the Hardy Boys series depicted a teen rolling his eyes. Modern research that confirms eye rolls are associated more strongly with teen girls makes sense, according to the authors of a 2012 paper on social aggression in teen girls, since, quote, among both children and adults, females tend to be more skilled both in the expression and decoding of nonverbal communication, unquote. But if we haven't always rolled our eyes for the same reason, are we just faking it? Not necessarily. 
Contrary to popular belief, the vast majority of facial expressions aren't shared universally. When researchers asked indigenous people in Papua New Guinea to identify the emotion in a series of photos of facial expressions, their responses were very different from those in Western cultures. It makes sense that if the emotion behind facial expressions changes by culture, it can certainly change by era. Scientists have come up with a questionnaire to help you figure out how materialistic you are. And if you want to know how much you're influenced by consumer culture, then this is the scale for you. First, let's talk about materialism in general, though. Sometimes a little retail therapy doesn't hurt. It can feel pretty good to go on a clothes shopping spree after a bad breakup or splurge on organizing supplies when life is chaotic. Both of those examples are things I absolutely have done. (laughs) (laughs) But we all know that doesn't actually fix everything. And sometimes consumer culture can really make things worse. In fact, scientists are increasingly thinking that materialism could be hurting our well-being. They're still trying to figure out whether unhappiness fuels materialism or whether materialism fuels unhappiness. But one thing is certain, those who value things above all else tend to be pretty unhappy. As Knox College psychologist Tim Kasser, PhD, told the American Psychological Association, quote, materialism is associated with lower levels of well-being, less pro-social interpersonal behavior, more ecologically destructive behavior, and worse academic outcomes, unquote. Not to mention it's also obviously associated with spending problems and with being in debt. As for where it comes from, recent studies have suggested that materialism stems from insecurities that root themselves early in life. People who doubt themselves also tend to buy the most. But once our basic material needs are satisfied, science shows that more money does not lead to greater happiness. Extremely rich people even suffer from increased rates of depression. And that's because when it comes to meeting psychological needs, material goods are like empty calories. Now, don't lose all hope if you're worried your values skew towards the materialistic end of things. Research shows that there is an antidote to consumerism, and it's already inside you. The answer is mindfulness, or a concentrated awareness of the present. Meditation and mindfulness could help you focus on your relationship with objects and the act of purchasing, and help you connect to other people. Recent research also shows that, in the U.S. at least, materialism might be decreasing all on its own. According to a 2013 American Express survey, only about a quarter of Americans believe wealth determines success. If you want to know where you stand in consumer culture, you can take a scientifically validated questionnaire known as the Material Values Scale that can help you suss out your relationship to things. You'll rate how much you agree or disagree with various statements, then see a results page dividing your score into a few elements for analysis. You can find a link to that in our full write-up on this on curiosity.com, and there's a link to that in the show notes. Once you know your level of materialism and how strongly science says material goods won't make you happy— you can take steps to disengage and find healthier ways to feel better. And now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that if you want to stay focused and alert, you might want to put your phone down when you're taking a break. And that teenagers really do roll their eyes more, but it hasn't always been that way. People used to roll their eyes to indicate lust, fear, or anger. And that material goods just can't meet your psychological needs. If you think you're too materialistic, then try meditation and mindfulness to help you understand your relationship with objects and connect with the people around you. I'm going to do it right away. I'm going to order 14 books on meditation, a few statues of Buddha. 
Ah, oh, let's see. Some wall scrolls, bamboo wall scrolls to hang on the wall. Oh, some of those uh, those bamboo sticks that are scented. <laughs> Maybe some oils. Yeah. Do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. Stay curious.